I have a word. And it's been a word that's been going through my head all day today. And it's the word freedom. And I think for too long in this country, we've been held in bondage. And God wants us to be free. And we are carriers of freedom. That's why Christ came. He came to set us free. And I think we find ourselves at a place where the church has lost its voice and has become insignificant and irrelevant in our culture. And God is calling us to be free. It needs to come first in us. We need to have the boldness and confidence to know who we are in Christ and who we stand in Christ, to know that we have freedom. And the freedom comes from him. It doesn't come from the government telling us what we can and can't say. It comes from Jesus Christ. And God has called us to be free tonight. And if you don't know what it is to be free, then we need to talk. Uh, because Jesus has come to set us all free in all areas of our life. So, we find ourselves in Acts 2. You've been studying Acts. We're right at the birth of the church. You can put yourself in your mind back to AD 80 to 90, somewhere in there. It's like almost 2,000 years ago. It's an unbelievably exciting time to be alive. Can you imagine what it was like for the Holy Spirit to fall on the early church for that first time? They all started speaking in different languages. Some of these languages were recognizable. Others weren't recognizable. And thrown into the mix of that was this new heavenly language that they all started speaking. It had just never happened before in one hand it must have been so bizarre but on the other hand it must have been completely wonderful feelings that people had must have been running completely wild see this is what happens when God falls on his spirit on his people when the spirit of God falls on his people afresh all bets are off Intellectual arguments go out of the window. God just shows up and there is no argument. Oh, how I long for this to happen again. Oh, how I long for this to happen in Bowness and in Linlithgow and all across this region. You see, right in front of their eyes, the prophecy of Joel was fulfilled. The Old Testament prophet. The author, Luke, pulls out this prophecy from Joel and inserts it right into the letter right here. This is the prophecy of Joel written in the ninth century before Christ. So 800 and something BC. Like I said, this is 80 to 90 AD we're in right now. So we're talking about a prophecy that happened 880 years previously. At least 880 years before. This is what this prophecy says. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness 
and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Luke is saying in AD 80 that this something that was prophesied over 880 years previously is being fulfilled right in front of their eyes right now. I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit again. This is our mandate as a church. We are carriers of the spirit of God. He will cause our sons and daughters to prophesy. Anyone in here got some sons and daughters? I've got two of each. Let them get on with it. Let's get them prophesying. The young men will see visions. I am a young man. At least tonight I am claiming the mantra of a young man. And I'm starting to see things like I've never seen them in my life. I have a picture of how we should be functioning as a church in Scotland. And it looks nothing like how we're functioning at the moment. At the moment we're afraid. We're scared. We're quiet. We're in the background. We're irrelevant. We're insignificant. This was never God's intention. This movement that he started in AD 80 in the first century became a church two billion people strong. One third of the earth claims Christian heritage. Oh, that God would come and relight his fire on this nation again. Church, what is it that brings in God's kingdom? How is it that God brings his kingdom to bear again? His two things. His confession and his prayer. This is Second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Tonight, Scotland needs to be healed. This is Acts 2, just in the little passage before the passage that I'm speaking on tonight that I will get to. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, this mandate and this mantra has not changed in 2,000 years. It's the same as it's always been. Your part, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus God's part, the gift of his Holy Spirit and the power of his Holy Spirit in your life. Church, tonight, turn again in repentance and prayer and receive the Spirit of God again. Our passage tonight 
that I'm supposed to be speaking on is the fellowship of the believers. In the light of all the crazy stuff that is happening in the early church, how should we leave? How should we live? Well, this is how. Verse 42, Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So how is God calling us to live in this season? Well, it's exactly the same as how he called the early church to live. I got seven things. And we'll go through them quickly. We have to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. He's given us his word. Be a student of his word. Don't be lazy. Douglas Britton, one of the members of our church, had a prophetic word at the beginning of the Daniel series that we're doing in St. John's. And it was this. Honour God by taking his word seriously. Take God's word seriously. Go back and read this passage again over and over. You're going through a series in Acts. Make yourself familiar with it. Go online and read the summary. Don't just wait for Sunday to come. Find out about the author, what he was trying to communicate. Find out the historical context. It's not difficult. It's called Google. Take God's word seriously. Number two, we have to devote ourselves to fellowship. Real fellowship. Not pretend fake fellowship that we've got so good at and so familiar with. You know the type that I'm talking about. How are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. How's your family? Great. And how's yours? Great. Sometimes our churches are like crematoriums. They are full of spiritually dead people pretending to be alive. God wants us to experience real fellowship. Fellowship that is rich. Fellowship that is overwhelming. Fellowship that fosters a deep sense of belonging. A deep sense of oneness. A deep sense of family. A deep sense that we're part of the same tribe. Church, we're not really good at this. Did I mention that? I've been really encouraged by the Bathgate guys that have been coming around our church for the last couple of years. They've been through a lot together as a team. They care deeply about each other. They eat together. They pray together. 
I think that's a good start. It's often easier to experience fellowship in a small group like this church is, 20 to 40 people, than larger groups. At some point in larger groups, you lose the ability to know everybody at a deep level. I think this is what God is doing in this season at this time. He's calling us all into little communities across Falkirk and Lothians. Lots and lots of new little communities. These can be missional communities with causes in common, like So Blessed that brings all the knitters together in Linlithgow, or Men in Sheds that brings retired and isolated men together. They can be geographical communities that can become little church plants, like this one here. We have to devote ourselves to being together. We have to devote ourselves to fellowship. Thirdly, we have to devote ourselves to the breaking of bread. God instituted only two ordinances. Jesus taught us to um, observe the ordinance of communion and the ordinance of baptism. It was just two. God wants us to eat together. Something happens when you eat together. What's not to love about food? What's not to love about wine? That's all Jesus wants. He wants you to eat together and remember him. He wants you to participate in communion regularly to experience his presence and to remember him. Fourthly, devote ourselves to Jesus. When Jesus is on the move, wonders and signs follow. That's what we want to see happening in Bowness. That's why we're out on the street in Bowness offering prayers for healing. My neighbor was healed of bowel cancer last year. He thought he was going to die. It was amazing. It was amazing what God did. It blew my mind. Devote yourself to Jesus and follow what the Spirit is doing. So, I'll summarize. Devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Devote ourselves to fellowship. Devote ourselves to the breaking of bread. Devote ourselves to Jesus. Fifthly, devote ourselves to each other. The disciples were together and had everything in common. They spent lots and lots of time together. They became like each other. They had one common purpose. The worship of Jesus and the building of his kingdom. They looked after each other. Nobody was without anything. We can do that here. If you have needs, we as a church will meet them. Just speak to a leader and we'll figure it out. God wants your needs met by this community. Sixthly, devote ourselves to being witnesses of Jesus. You see, these early disciples met in the temple courts. They weren't hiding. That was the public place of the day. They were in the public place proclaiming Jesus. You are to be a witness for Jesus in your family, in your street, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace. Devote ourselves to being witnesses of Jesus. And finally, devote ourselves to the people of our community. These, this early church were enjoying the favor of all the people. They weren't hiding in their little boxes. 
We should be expecting big things in public places. We are God's people. Our inheritance is Scotland. Politics is our domain. We need to be speaking justice and truth to government. We need to speak a Christian perspective into the issues of our day, like abortion, online safety, euthanasia, gambling, marriage and family, commercial sexual exploitation, assisted suicide, human trafficking, religious liberty, technology, robotics, AI. We need to speak truth into these places. We are the church and we own this land. It's his kingdom. Jesus said, taught us to pray saying, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That means we have dominion over this earth. We are in charge. We need to be expecting God to grow his church. This little church here has grown from an average of around 20 to something closer to 40. We need to expect him to grow it from 40 to 80 this year. Not just with people who already know Jesus, but from people who are meeting him for the first time. This church is full of evangelists, people who love to share Jesus. We should be expecting God to show up in this church, show us people to talk to. I was talking to Richard earlier on, just him talking about the opportunities that he's had in his work to share faith and his excitement about that, about the way that God has showed up. That's what we should be looking for in our families, in our workplaces, places to speak about Jesus. <clears throat> Devote yourself to who God is afresh tonight. Take him seriously. Take him at his word. I have a question. Do you really believe that what you believe is really real? Do you? Do you believe in God? Will you take him at his word tonight? If the answer is yes, devote yourself to him. As you take God at his word, expect great things. Expect him to move and to breathe and to have his being in this church. Expect him to heal people. Expect him to sweep people into his kingdom. Expect him to put you in charge of the discipleship of these people. God is good, and he has big plans for this church. Let's pray together. <coughs> God, bless this community of people. Bless this church. Thank you for all you've done in this first year and a half. Thank you for humble beginnings in an alpha course. Thank you that a few small groups got together to form this church. Thank you for giving this church boldness and confidence to get into the community, to pray for people on the streets, to share the good news of Jesus with everyone. Bless them, Jesus. Honour them as they have honoured you. Teach them how to confess their sins one to another. Show them how to pray. Help them to be devoted to each other 
and devoted above all to you in your name and for your glory. Amen.